welcome this 15th Sunday after Pentecost. Wherever you are listening, however you may be struggling, we invite you into this space, one where you can hear the good news in proclamation, spoken and sung, a time where you can be still and know God is God. Our guest preacher today is Gabe Brannon of ELCA Churchwide. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Your sins are forgiven on account of his name. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. A reading from John. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God. Praise to you, O Christ. Gracious God of healing and hope, thank you for the chance to gather in your word and light, even if now oddly and virtually so that your message of grace can continue to shine throughout the world. We ask that you show us ways to live your world, word in the world and remind us that your word is a call to action, not simply reporting of the past. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. It was risky. As a Pharisee, Nicodemus knew he was supposed to think of Jesus. Jesus was a rabble-rouser. Jesus broke the Sabbath. Jesus drove people and sheep and cattle out of the temple with a whip of cords. This was not the behavior of a good, lawful Jewish boy. But then there were the other stories, like the wedding at Cana, where people say he turned jars of water into jars of wine. And the testimony of John the Baptist who said Jesus is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So under the cover of night, so as not to be seen, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and greets him. Rabbi, he said, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. This is how John 3 opens. In today's reading, it is Nicodemus that Jesus is speaking with. From the Bible, we don't know a lot about Nicodemus. He only appears on three occasions, and all in the Gospel of John. But we can fill in the blanks with some color from what we do know about him. 
We know that Nicodemus was a man of some repute and respect. We know he was a man of wealth and power. I think we also know that Nicodemus was conflicted. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been there. Otherwise, he wouldn't have risked so much and sought after Jesus under the refuge of night. Nicodemus' conflict, I think, comes from the pull between his need to be faithful to the values and duties as a Pharisee, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and the God that Jesus was walking and bringing into the world. Are these the same God? Can they be? If what Jesus has said is right, if God really is with him, does that make Nicodemus and the rest of the Pharisee wrong? What follows in John 3 is a conversation between two devout men of God. In Nicodemus, we find a highly educated man and a politician in the community looking for answers. In Jesus, we find the answers, though sometimes complicated to understand. John 3 is the chapter one Baptist preacher said he would read to a dying man who did not know the gospel as the most suitable one for such an occasion. It makes sense then that one of the most widely quoted and well-known verses in our lifetime comes from this exchange. John 3.16 has been called the gospel in a nutshell, and along with, I think, the Beatitudes is the clearest expl explanation of who we are as a people who live in the light of God. For so God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. John 3 ends with Jesus telling Nicodemus, For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Before I get too far into today's sermon, I want to say hello and good morning, or whatever time of day you find yourself listening to this from the ELCA Churchwide office. I'm Gabe Brandon. I've had a chance to join you for worship on a couple of occasions in the past, and I'm speaking today about John 3 on behalf of ELCA World Hunger. On behalf of Bishop Elizabeth Eaton, I want to say thank you to everyone at Queen Anne for your continued support of both your local ministries as well as ELCA ministries like World Hunger, Global Mission, and Disaster Relief. From my times here in the past, I believe Queen Anne is living what it means to be Lutheran in today's world. Back to the gospel, the next time we see Nicodemus is in John 7. He is still a Pharisee and a mayor of the Sanhedrin, the highest court and council in Jerusalem at the time. And it is Nicodemus who steps in to remind his colleagues that Jewish law requires that Jesus be heard before he judged. Our law, he said, does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? Nicodemus' defense of Jesus, or the intercession Nicodemus makes on Jesus' behalf, marks remarkably close to why Nicodemus first went to visit with Jesus in John 3. He asks those to set out to judge, to find out what Jesus is doing. In the chapter since Nicodemus last saw Jesus, Jesus has performed miracles of healing and feeding. The ministry of this charismatic Galilean had grown from a hum to a roar. And that's ex the exact reason for Nicodemus's 
in Jesus's paths to be crossing again. Nicodemus, though, still didn't understand what it was Jesus had tried to tell him in their conversation in John 3. As popular and quotable as it is, I don't think it was John 3.16 that was left rattling around Nicodemus's brain when he and Jesus part ways at the end of John 3, though. Remember what we know about Nicodemus. As a member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus was charged with upholding Jewish law, and he would have had need to know not only the law, but the roots of those law, as if he had written them himself. So while the full impact of meeting in John 3.16 had not yet revealed itself to Nicodemus, I think it was John 3.14 that hit him right between the eyes. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Why is Jesus bringing Nicodemus back to our first reading today, Numbers 21, with Moses and the serpent? Not to show off his knowledge of the Jewish law, not to show the right in his righteousness, not to trick Nicodemus or prove to him that he is somehow wrong. I think Jesus refers back to Moses and the poisonous serpent for a couple of reasons. The first is a very literal interpretation. Just like Moses lifted up a bronze snake onto a pole for everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that soon it will be Jesus who is lifted up. Though Jesus on a cross, not a pole. So that everyone may have eternal life. Jesus, I think, was also trying to tell Nicodemus that it is God's promise that he is there to help us fight against the serpents of the world. First through Moses in the wilderness, then again through Jesus and giving his only son to the world so everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, we read in today's gospel, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world may be saved through him. In today's world, there are a lot of snakes to choose from, and I'm not even thinking of politics or politicians. But I think it's fair to call COVID-19 the serpent of today's world. As I write this, we have seen 27.6 million confirmed cases worldwide, with nearly 900,000 deaths. Here in the United States, over 6.4 million cases and 190,000 dead. If we want to measure it another way, though not to compare the two types of losses, the UN believes the slowdown to the global economy caused by the coronavirus is likely to cost at least $1 trillion. These aren't just numbers, though. I worry when we focus on numbers and statistics and polling and seven-day rolling averages and positivity rates, I worry when we forget the humanity that is attached to each number. Each number told is a person whose life is lost. Each number counted as a family and community deeply and forever impacted. I think of it this way. If I were tried to say the name of each of the 193,025 lives lost in the United States as I write this, if I could keep up the impossible pace of a name a second, it would take me nearly two and a quarter days to recite the list. 
And that's just here in the United States. Keeping the same pace, it would take me over 10 days to say the names of our siblings in Christ who have lost their lives globally. COVID-19 is the serpent of the world. So what do we do? How do we respond? Jesus tells us today that God did not send his only son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. That he is here to fight the serpent. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. The truth, though, is that even before this crisis, hunger was on the rise. The truth is the pandemic could almost double acute food insecurity by the end of this year. In the coming months, as many as 265 million people could suffer hunger extreme enough to endanger their lives or livelihoods. The truth is, more mothers of young children in the United States are reporting food insecurity than ever before. The truth is, people are facing impossible choices, risking infection because of hunger, violence, and lack of income. In the face of all of this, as the serpent of the world slithers through spring and summer and into our fall, what do we do? How do we respond? We do what Jesus tells us to do. What he tells Nicodemus. Just as Moses lifted up the stake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. We do what Jesus tells us to do. We do what Moses shows us how to do. We pick up snakes. We pick up snakes, especially for those who find themselves in the wilderness where there is no food and no water. We lift up Jesus, not on a literal cross, but through living out his teachings in our actions. Our church, through ELCA World Hunger, has walked alongside our partners as they fight the serpents of their communities. For more than 45 years, this work has included healthcare, food security, sustainable agriculture, protection for migrant workers, education, financial training, women's empowerment, and political advocacy. It's our church's aim to get to the root causes of hunger and poverty and to one day find a just world where all are fed. ELCA has traveled alongside our partners throughout this pandemic. Like the congregations of the ELCA, like Queen Anne Lutheran Church, our normal routines have shifted, but our doors and work have never closed. We continue to deliver services to the people who rely on them. I want to extend an invitation to you all today. I want to invite you all to listen in on a conversation in a couple of weeks about what our church is doing to pick up snakes. It's an online Zoom meeting which honestly, at this point, it's hard to believe there was a time before online Zoom meetings. And I'll give you a link in a moment. This conversation, which we are calling Hunger in the Timer of COVID-19, Life for Today and Hope for Tomorrow, will center on a conversation between Bishop Eaton, uh, alongside with the Bishop of Northwest Washington Synod, Bishop uh, Shelley Brian Wee, along with author and advocate Rick Steves, and it's a chance to hear about how the ELCA is responding during this pandemic. You can find all this information out, including how to register at elca.org slash hunger fundraiser.
the event is Thursday, Thursday, September 24 at 5 o'clock Seattle time. This is the second type of these Zoom events we have done. And what I appreciated about the first message coming out of the first one is that our church is faithfully responding to this for crisis with a voice of hope and a commitment to be standing in the world. Once again, that link is elca.org slash hunger fundraiser. The final time Nicodemus appears in the Gospel of John is at the end of John 19. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. I wonder if in that moment, as he and Joseph Arimathea carried Jesus' body down Golgotha, Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night, remembered Jesus' words to him. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. I wonder what Nicodemus thought about as he helped Joseph carry the dead body and weight of Jesus down the hill before wrapping him in linen. I wonder if in what must have been a very heavy and human moment, Nicodemus yet understood Jesus when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. 1,800-some years later, Nicodemus became a model of hope to freed southern slaves. Post-Civil War, for so many born into a world of serpents, the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus in John 3, and the rebirth of Nicodemus into the light of Jesus, shine towards a hope for a rebirth in their own lives and for their own communities. Wake Nicodemus is a poem written at that time by Henry Clary Work. Work was an active abolitionist and his family's home was a stop on the Underground Railroad for which his father was imprisoned. It's a poem about rebirth and serpents. It's a poem about the vulnerable and the marginalized. It's a poem that connects with what John tells us today. That God gave his son to the world and because of that love and light, we can find our way out of the wilderness. It is through that love and light we are called to fight the serpents of the world. The poem begins, Nicodemus, the slave was of African birth and was bought for a bag full of gold. He was reckoned as part of the salt of the earth, but he died years ago, very old. It was his last sad request as we lay him away in the trunk of an old hollow tree. Wake me up was his charge at the first break of day. Wake me up for the great jubilee. There are very few verses about the life. There are a few verses about the life and vigor of Nicodemus before the poem ends 
with a stanza and a couple of lines that shines towards a hope in a world where serpents and hunger are lifted up and off those stuck in the wilderness. Towards a long weary night, we were almost in fear that the future was more than he knew. Twas a long weary night, but the morning is near, and the words of our prophet are true. There are signs in the sky that the darkness is gone. There are tokens in the endless array. While the storm, which had seemingly banished the dawn, only hastened the advent of day. Gracious God, thank you again for the chance to share in your word and light. Remind us today that while storms and serpents will always be a part of our world, so too is your light and grace. We pray in your name. Amen.
drawn together in the compassion of God. We pray for the church, the world, and all those in need. Holy God, you welcome us when we are weak in faith. Uphold your church throughout the world. Make it a place of welcome. Strengthen faith through online Bible studies and Sunday schools, confirmation classes, and youth ministries. Nurture new ministries of education and growth, especially as we continue to worship apart. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. The heights of the heavens show us the vastness of your steadfast love. Have compassion on your creation. Where human selfishness has brought ruin and destruction, we look to you to heal, renew, and redeem your world. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Make your ways known to the nations. Speak kindness to our bitter grudges. Settle our hearts when we want to settle accounts with violence. Bless our leaders with patience and wisdom. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Bring healing and justice wherever harm is dealt. Provide vindication for all who are oppressed. Free victims of human trafficking and forced labor. Deliver all who are bound by debt. Feed all who are hungry and guard refugees fleeing famine, poverty, and war. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Teach us to forgive. Remind us that you do not always accuse us. Give us pause when we are tempted to pass judgment and argue unnecessarily. Make this congregation a community of mercy for one another and for all our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For whom or what else do the people of God pray? Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Whether we live or whether we die, we are yours. We thank you for those who have showed us faithfulness. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. All these things and whatever else you see that we need, we entrust to your mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. We thank you for joining us for this service. If you would like to hear other services or access the newest edition of The Quill, our newsletter, we invite you to go to our website at queenannelutheran.org. Receive now the blessing. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.